January 27th, 1820. Russians discover Antarctica and are thrilled to discover an untapped source of cold bleakness. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is one of Denver's favorite comedians. Please welcome Greg Ellis, everyone. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Doing well, Greg. Thank you for thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. It's never a chore. I think <laughs> I think Greg is a turning point. He is the first genuine non-American person to be on this uh, this podcast. In in full disclosure, he's also the first genuine impersonator <laughs> to be on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm binational, so uh, I got a bit of both, so I can come at it from both angles. <laughs> Um, that is American, and I'm assuming Greek. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm John John Papianos, <laughs> third cousin, twice removed. <laughs> John Baklavapalos. <laughs> um, Zach, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, same old. Um, I think we might have covered that. Um, but uh, if you're new to the show, I lost the thread there for a second. Um, mm. But uh, if you are new to this show... I should say this is a podcast wherein we take a look at history, the uh, the unfinished tome, as they call it, and <laughs> I'm sure somebody that? has called it that. <laughs> yeah. I did. Of averages, now someone it, now, must have called it that. The you know what? I called it that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, we go over a person or event from history. Uh, first, we tell. Uh, Well, the version of events that the man wants you to think is true. (laughs) And then uh, we create um, a version of events that one man, specifically the person who wrote it, wants you to think is true. (laughs) The Alex Jones of our podcast, if you will. Um, Oh, no. And at the end, we decide which is the true history of this little blue marble going forward for the rest of time you do, every, every time you do the intro you just keep adding a little a little more to it and i love it i it works because i forget what i added to it last time so i have to <laughs> uh, previously previously on the revisionists we discussed uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, who you may know as the Emperor of uh, Austria Germany during the First World War. It's a great, great um, episode that one. Yeah, with have you released, uh, have you released with guests. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you really you tipped your hand. Yeah, I don't know how many, yeah, know how many there, of these right? you got in the can. <laughs> Uh, with guest Jacob Rupp, who, who put in, I great would say, guy, one of the guy, most Jacob exhaustive. Rupp. Wonderful guy. <laughs> Yeah, great guy. Uh, Jacob Rupp, I would say, haunting. put in one of the most exhaustive uh, efforts <laughs> ever ever seen on this podcast. But ultimately, Just... his alternate history, which was the real history, except one time Kaiser Wilhelm said "shush" to a person in a theater, <laughs> did not win. <laughs> well, he was like the first person to do that. I think. Yeah, and that he likes like... sequels. <laughs> Yeah, that's something but, like that. Uh, oh, because he was Kaiser Wilhelm the Second. Oh, fucking right. <laughs> fuck off, Rob. <laughs> but that did not win. The true history of that shitty, shitty man uh, won out in the end. Um, and uh, this week, 
I think we're discussing none other than Philippe Peton. Mm. Very, uh, very well pr- pronounced, yeah, I think. A name that I... trips off everyone's tongue. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep, like like so much, so much <laughs> melting brie dripping from the tongues now, of. If I recall correctly, let's see. I for, I lost my train of thought immediately. <laughs> oh, um, I remember what I okay. I remember. Leave what that in. Leave that show. in. Leave it in. Leave it yeah, in. Yeah, verisimilitude. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about Piton, but I can't remember what it was. Um, okay. So I'm just going to move on. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Okay. Um, I think, if I have it correctly, Brian has the alternate history, correct? Yes, indeed. Yep. And that means, Greg, you have brought the actual. Yeah, all 27 pages of it from Wikipedia. (laughs) Exhaustive. It's going to be funny, but it's going to be fact-driven, guys. (laughs) Yes. We're turning officially into Dan Carlin's hardcore history for this one episode only. Awesome. Um, So I guess if we have that much to go through, to dig through, uh, perhaps we should just uh, get on started, huh? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. No problem. And... Chime in when you see fit, because like I said, th- I printed this off the day, 16 pages, but I printed it off after I said, yeah, I'll do the real one. <laughs> you know, I could have just made any old bullshit up and uh, a yeah. couple of limericks stuck together. There you go. Petain. I'm, you, I'm usually... You could erupt it. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. I, I, <laughs> I am usually like so glad to get the actual history because i feel way more stressed out doing the alternate mm. but this was the one time i was like oh fucking thank god oh jesus <laughs> well, it's, it's quite interesting i mean i i didn't know anything about him um surprised you know I did, I, i've got a history a level and i've got a gcse in french so now, uh, for, perfectly equipped for americans <laughs> what is the equivalent of an a level in history um you get the gcse when you're 16 and the a level at 18 and you take three a levels or four and that the points accumulation from that gets you into the college of, or university of choice so gcse then a level i think they've changed it now because i'm okay. so fucking old it's it's some yeah. sorting hat thing. yeah it's um yeah so yeah. not only is it Sorry. not applicable to most of our listeners it's also outdated <laughs> we're going international on this one it's fine it's a fucking history podcast mm. I mean, what, how can it be outdated <laughs> thank you I had, I had water in my mouth it's and I couldn't say it talking. remember A levels oh levels Henri Philippe Benoni Omer Joseph Pétain or Philly Six Names as he was known amongst his friends was born in 1856 um, and I think my pronunciation was a little better, but yes, <laughs> yeah, I think you went with the like the more sort of a Montreal Quebecois <laughs> yeah, style, the kind of Jacques yeah, Spanish, Spanish kind of, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hell yeah! Line number two. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, guys. Um, <laughs> he became the oldest. French chief of state at the age of 84 in 1940. Uh, we'll get on to that in a bit. But uh, his story really starts um, in world, just before World War I. And I've, I've drawn a massive parallel with his life and the career path of Jared Fogel from the <laughs> Oh, so... It's an interesting like, um, analogy to draw. Knowing, but, how, knowing how both of their... Yeah. Uh, Pats end up. I find your choice of the word career very interesting. Well, you know, <laughs> needs must. But um, <laughs> so fifty-eight years old. He's nineteen fourteen. It's before the war. He was a colonel in the French army. Nothing much going on. 
in peacetime, so he could never really make the role of general. Mm-hmm. Um, he got one eye like on retirement at this point, you know, maybe retired to Provence, by a little gite, little country house, um, trip to the Pyrenees, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> uh, play boule. And, um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, World War I just started out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> just one day. Just, just started one day. You may have covered that last... Last week, but um, yeah, so in World War I starts, and he's a colonel. All of a sudden, he's thrust into the center of the French army. And so he's gone from chubby unknown Jared Fogel at this point <laughs> to now where he's really building a career for himself, which is the Jared that loses, what, 200 pounds by walking yeah. and eating BMT sandwiches, right? Yeah, something like and that. In, so and he- in this metaphor, the copious <laughs> Subway sandwiches he eats are needlessly complex treaties between nations. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. With, with Pepper Jack. <laughs> yeah, side. just Chipotle mayo. That's how you signed a treaty back in the day. So, like, he's a colonel in spring 1914. War starts. 29th of August 1915, he gets promoted to brigadier. Then he gets promoted again to the 33rd Corp leader in October the same year. Spring 1915 in the Artois Offensive, which is a scene that you'll see outside any pub on a Saturday night in England. <laughs> as people pissed up on Stella's. He's promoted again, July 15, Commander-in-Chief of the 2nd Army, autumn 1915 at the Champagne Offensive, which is a sign you'll see outside any exclusive nightclub on a Saturday night in England. People tanked up on my Yeah, they're all World War I reenactors. And then his big coup de grace, or whatever the word for that is in French. (laughs) The Battle of Verdun, right? Now, he won... They won the title of the Battle of Verdun. That was what he was known as because of the way that he commanded his army. He was a big fan of um, like laser-guided tactics rather than brute force. And what he did against the Germans in, in uh, February 1916, got himself a promotion during the middle of the battle because he was so fucking good. He basically <laughs> sent his troops in and then kept pulling them out and topping them up, pulling them out, topping them up, never more than a week or two on the front line and um the germans would just like keep them there they you know they get some killed they die of trench foot and they throw some more in so he won that battle and then became the lion of verdun so he's he's his career star now is like he's doing two or three hundred commercials a year <laughs> playing on like local radio yeah um, he's playing las vegas at this yeah. point <laughs> so yeah but just dis- as Jared got the nickname the Lion of whatever that <laughs> shitty bread yeah, the, is they have it's the Lion of Cold the, Cuts. <laughs> yeah. The Lion of Honey Oats. <laughs> yeah. The Lion yeah. of that yeah. soggy salad stuff they put on your sandwich. <laughs> oh yeah. my god, do not eat at Subway. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Sorry. No, it's I- as good as anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> This that's, podcast yeah, is sponsored by Subway. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's $5. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> it's Subway. Eat fresh. We I mean, they named the their chain after a place that's famous for being full of rats and shit. So I don't know <laughs> what they expected. But so did... Or did Arby's come after that? Or Taco Bell? I'm not sure. Yeah, no. They actually <laughs> named places full of rats and shit Arby's after the restaurant. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, it's a classic, the classic <laughs> saying, uh, which came first, the rat shit or the Arby's? <laughs> Everybody knows it. Uh, so back to the story. I've got a lot to get through, guys. Yeah. Right, so All right, so yeah. he, despite him being the lion of Verdun, someone got promoted over him to the, the army commander-in-chief, a guy called Robert Nivelle. Mm. 
Um, because it's that kind of thing. You know, if you're really good at your job at work, human resources don't want to promote you because they'll never be able to successfully backfill your position. You know, re- relatability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, well, you know, I, I work you, in a subway. You can enmesh yourself too directly in jobs. Be shit and get promoted out of it. It's good. I do have to say, on our mini-sodes, someone was saying, like, I, they trusted us to pronounce things correctly. And I think just hearing Greg actually pronounce things correctly, they're probably like, the wall is lifted from my eyes. There's, there's nothing better for a Frenchman's ears than the sound of an Englishman pretending to speak French. <laughs> And I, I actually watched a little documentary about this, and it was, a, it was an American guy based out of a studio in Stockholm, I found, uh, mm-hmm. who's doing these little World War One things, and he, you know, he pronounced it like in different ways as well. So I don't think there is a hard and fast rule. Um, you'd have to ask. And he's dead. So and he's dead. Exactly. Fuck him. <laughs> him and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> So this Nivelle, right, back to the story. Right, Nivelle, he fucked up a battle in the Chemin de Dame, which means the Lady Path Offensive, uh, the Lady Path Offensive, in, in April 1917. He threw troops in. The troops were completely outnumbered, outranked, um, outflanked, uh, and it forced a huge full-scale mutiny of the French army. So they brought Pétain in to become commander-in-chief, and he basically stopped the mutiny by 3,400 court-martials, 554 death sentences, but he commuted 90%. So he's all right, because only about 55 got shot or guillotined. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we're up to now. For the French, it's a very low number of guillotines. It is. And I don't know whether they still got them, whether they keep them like like the Cubans do with the cars. (laughs) (laughs) The old uh, 1950s. I'm sure they're... I mean, they were using it up until the 70s so i'm sure there are a few hanging around <laughs> we can we can i've got a, my mate benoit i can give him a call if you want <laughs> he might maybe sell them off yeah just like, he has one like <laughs> collecting dust in his garage like the french TSA. he keeps saying he's gonna fix it up with his dad <laughs> yeah. they just never get around get it to it and get it re-chromed <laughs> yeah put spinners on it <laughs> so yeah that's the first bit so now he's like really popping he's really riding high and um, oh, I, th- I thought I was far ahead then, but I turned two pages. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of the war comes and, you know, despite a few other things, he's pretty, pretty good at this point. Um, he had a couple of issues in one battle. The so Larry David rank. Of yeah, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty good. <laughs> comme si, comme ça, bon. Oh, I guess, or whatever the... <laughs> Now I just want to see a French translation of curb your enthusiasm. I don't know what the word for curb might be. Curb your enthusiasm. Sorry. Keep going. La rue d'Avide. Okay, so yeah, he. Let's let's skip that. So we're at the end of the First World War. He's made the Marshal of France. Um. We can. There's a guy called Fock, but we can skip him. And <laughs> so now it's between the wars, and he he was 58 in 1914, so he's knocking into his mid 60s now. This is an interesting thing. He he was a bachelor, a womanizer. Mm. So he's he's in his like mid 60s now, and he was known apparently for his piercing blue eyes. He was known as uh, l'homme avec les yeux bleus. 
um, <laughs> by nobody on the Champs Elysees. Um, but he had many, many mistresses, uh, sometimes known as Boutins, <laughs> Boutins de Pétain. I, 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 I want to say, if people want a visualization of this guy, he looks kind of like Robert Duvall with a fancy mustache. Yup, that's yep, yeah. that's he looks exactly a, right. He looks a bit like you know Pringle. From the Pringles, but old. Yeah, <laughs> got a big Wait, is gray that, is that his name? His you name know, is just Pringle <laughs> from the tube of Pringles. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're named after him. He invented the them. Uh, I think he'll thank you to call him Mister Pringle, <laughs> or maybe Mister Pringle was his father. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Mister Pringle lives in Florida. Call yeah. me, call me sour cream and onion. <laughs> so he's he's known as a womanizer. He's he's just he's riding now. He's 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 like the Daddy Mac of Paris. So he he does he's yeah, like he an wore all his clothes backwards. <laughs> was that crisscross you're talking about? Yeah, <laughs> one of his war strategies was to make everyone jump. jump. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bold tactic. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he's an elder statesman, a bit like a James Bond figure, and he married. You can forget Pussy Galore, right? <laughs> forget Pussy Galore. He married a woman, an ex old mystery, very beautiful woman called Eugenie Hardon. <laughs> wow you didn't see that one in wikipedia did you I did. Eugenie Mahana. <laughs> at this point in the wikipedia my eyes are glazed over so it's terrible. I, mean, <laughs> I just i blame ian fleming for <laughs> that one Ma- mademoiselle hardon have you ever been to the top of the eiffel tower uh, oh it's two on the nose <laughs> sorry that was <laughs> oof uh, who was that? Oof. That eggs. Was, that's French that for eggs. A little, that was like Sean Connery <laughs> with a bad cold, but he's eating mashed potatoes. Yeah, if you've got like mumps or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> so he's knocking around during the war. He's married now. He's shacked up with Eugenie Ardon. And um, <laughs> Boy, doesn't want to get back into politics. He runs for president November 19, doesn't get elected. Knocks around a bit, becomes the Minister of War in 1930 wars. Terrible French cutbacks uh, within the military. So he finds himself in 1939, the onset of World War II. The French don't have a bomber that can actually get to Berlin and back um, on, on one tank of gas, I guess as you call it here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had, a, I had a Citroen ZX once, which is pretty similar. So you know, <laughs> French, French engineering. Uh, couldn't get me from like Wolverhampton to Birmingham without like refilling the radiator. Also, full of bombs. It turns out. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The area where I grew up was like very heavily bombed during the Blitz. So it was. <laughs> oh. Like, yeah. But not by the the French, obviously, because they couldn't even get to Berlin, <laughs> let alone Coventry. And um, presumably other what, reasons. <laughs> what is what is what is the uh, English equivalent? Is it like a a caddy sham of petrol, or what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> A what? A Caddyshack. <laughs> I mean, it just sounded right. Well, it's a cup. We use a cup of petrol, and we we, okay. we pour it into the car with, with our picky finger raised, uh, with a little saucer mm. underneath to catch the drinks. And then you put a cube of sugar in the gas tank. Uh, exactly, but you know, it depends whether you like or hate the person. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right, we're paying attention. Right, World War Two. Uh, so he in 1939, he's the French ambassador of Spain. So that's a pretty fucking cool gig. Um, he can, you know, pop over to Madrid, Barcelona, do a bit of diplomacy, get some like Hamon Iberico, some, <laughs> some chorizo. Incorporating <laughs> a, a third language <laughs> in here. Well, I guess if you stick near the border, you're like Basque, it's kind of ish in the middle. It's yeah, we got Catalan. <laughs> Strap in, folks. This is going to be a linguistic ride, baby. 
And then and then he has his Danny Glover moment where <laughs> he's offered to join the parliament again, and he's like, no, I don't want to. Um, hmm. And then France gets invaded, and so he says, I'll I'll step up to the plate. I know my country needs me, and he's back in the seat. It's his last day on the job. He's just about to retire. And then, come on, we need you back, Philip. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, he decides to take the job after France is almost completely functionally defeated in the war. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> it's a bit like that, you know, I, oh, I was fucked before I got here. Come on. <laughs> Can't blame me. <laughs> but yeah, they, they basically hadn't put any money in the French like, armed forces for about 15 years. Like, they were still using tactics uh, and weaponry that they'd used in 1918. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're like 20 years or so ahead. So um, he takes you know his place in parliament they're, they're actually actively now moving the parliament around france to try and keep it safe i assume and they moved it to bordeaux so at least they could have a drink of wine at the same mm. time while they're making rules um and at this point they're trying to negotiate an armistice with the germans a sort of a, a treaty whereby like germans can take some land and uh, they can remain in some part of it. So that's effectively what happens. And Pater- just because I don't think we explicitly said it, this is around 1940 during World War Two, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't have that on my notes. I think I fell asleep halfway <laughs> through that. Like many like people listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> I think most of our listeners got it from context clues, but there's a couple <laughs> real fucking dummies out there. <laughs> Pay attention. Guys. Come on. Uh, so he is, um, Churchill's like, okay, all right, let's, um, have an armistice. And so this is quite an interesting thing. It's, it's an example of reverse Brexit. Churchill <laughs> and the British government offer nationality to Frenchmen as British, if they want it. They can have joint nationality so they can join the British army under the, the Franco-British Union. Um, but no one likes that in France because then they become subservient to the British. Mm. Um, so... The president resigns, um, prime minister resigns, but, and then Patan is instilled as the prime minister of France. Mm. And at this point, he's Jared at his thinnest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's, he's like the, I used to be fat, but now I'm all that episode of um, <laughs> Rick, Ricky Lake. It's like, Mr. Prime Minister, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. This is, you may remember when America had Jared Fever <laughs> that one summer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, keep, I keep trying to touch myself. <laughs> Very hot. Um, so they basically sign an armistice with Germany, 22nd of June, um, 1939. I think. And it's basically like a separating couple who take ownership of like half the DVDs. Mm. Germany gets control over the north and west of the country, like the house and Paris takes the Atlantic coastline. They're left with two fifths of pre-war territory. So they're squished down into the bottom. And this is where it becomes interesting. They move the parliament, um, the government to Clermont on the 29th of June. And then on the 1st of July, they move it to Vichy because Claremont is too small. To <laughs> it's the most French thing That's I've like, heard in such a long time. I'm checking out of this fucking Marriott. <laughs> and I'm going to the Holiday Inn Express down the street. This is, and this is the beginning of what they call Vichy France. This is um, where the absolute shitbag behavior, or sac de merde, as it's probably known, <laughs> behavior of Pétain to sort of 
rolls the roast. It's a horrible. This is this is like I, there's not much humor in this because it's basically like <laughs> yeah, reading it's off Vichy a list France. of someone being an absolute shit bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I and I want to say like the symbol of Vichy France is like. If Donald Trump came up with a new symbol for America, except he would get rid of the French, but otherwise it's exactly what it what it would look like. It's an axe with with red, white, and blue on the two blades, and then stars on the handle. Oh God! Just like so, just like fascistic, but also terribly designed. Yeah, yeah, like u- uber patriotic in a way that's cloying. Yeah, like a country singer kind of patriotic. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> That is, that looks like it was made in MS Paint. <laughs> oh shit, I didn't, I saw that, but I printed it out in black and white. So I'm just being shown a color picture of the flag. <laughs> it looks like yeah. someone is selling like off-brand Captain America merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm more offended, so, like a Captain America on the offense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Corporal USA. <laughs> <laughs> New idolatry. <laughs> Corporate US. Corporate? Corporate USA. Corporate USA is the, is the true power That's behind That's what we the got throne. right now. <laughs> so, back to the story. This Paytan. Mm-hmm. Now, he assumes the head of state position. So, near absolute powers. And I, I, I'll list, like, here's a bunch of, of the shitbag things he does. Um, he blamed the Third Republic, was what they replaced for the French defeat. Um, they got rid of the French motto "Liberté, Égalité, and Fraternity," mm-hmm. and replaced it with "Travail, Famille, and Patrie," which means work, family, and fatherland. Presumably because "Arbeit macht frei" was copyrighted <laughs> by the Nazi Party at this point. <laughs> but yeah, what, what did he do? New Constitutional Act. He abolished the presidency. He adjourned Parliament indefinitely. Uh, he could appoint and fire ministers and civil servants as he wished. He passed laws through a council of ministers. He chose his own successor. Uh, by 1941, he held all governing power in France. This is a man who, in 1914, at the age of 58, was planning to retire for a nice, quiet life in the country. <laughs> um, and so, basically, he ha- he has everything. There's no nearly well, why, all of the legislative executive. Why retire? in part of the country when you could own the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> or like two, whatever the Germans don't have, basically. Yeah, that's Why true. buy an apartment when you can buy the whole fucking block? Yeah. <laughs> or just take over it. Yeah, when you can say, this is my block now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Yeah. So he's basically this Louis XIV figure. Mm. And um, back to the, the ideas you were throwing around earlier. The conservatives, they launched this concept of the national revolution. Um, which was a Catholic and authoritarian paternalist state, uh, transition from the Republic to a state. And they basically had the motto where it was France was going to be a new France, a social hierarchy rejecting the false idea of the natural equality of men. (laughs) (laughs) So you can let that. And this is the stuff we found out later about Jared Fogel. Yeah, this is where it's like really blotting. If you hadn't put that part of the analogy together, (laughs) folks, guess what? Um, So, yeah, and just more shitbag behavior. Uh, Dismissed Republican civil servants, proclaimed anti Semitic laws, imprisoned opponents, foreign refugees, imposed censorship. He made (laughs) opinion a felony. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I like that. Get in the fucking penitentiary. Uh, collaborated with Germany, produced a legion of troops to fight in Russia, 
Um, his government was was recognized by the US and others uh, until the Germans took the rest of France at some point. Um, he never really said no to the Axis powers. He listened to Hitler in silence, it was remarked in 1940, but still shook his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good metaphor, yeah. actually, for how this whole thing unfolds. Yeah, man. I'm not but never buying an American car. Goes and buys a Honda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so this basically a whole range of shit show behaviors he instills this this milice a collaborative like an armed militia to repress the french resistance um and then you can see unraveling and he calls out to um to a guy like don and um who was put in charge of this milice he said oh you should be uh, a bit a little bit less excessive with the milice it's a bit you know to which don and replied you should have thought that before you told me to fucking do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah at this point then germany invade um, and take the whole of France. Uh, the French government remains in existence, and they knock him out of France, and, and Pétain is a figurehead mm. at this point. And then in 7th of September 1944, they get liberated, and he gets um, pulled from sw- across the Swiss border and back into France to face trial mm-hmm. for treason. Yeah, imagine for that the, happening. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be- and this is the, bo- the bit that's a bit like when Jared... Went to trial. <laughs> very, yeah, very I mean, okay. direct. That's like a very one to one comparison. Um, so, yeah, convicted of all charges, sentenced to death by one vote. Mm. Like, fuck you, Pierre. You could imagine him in the gallery. Now <laughs> 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 you're going down, Philippe. Uh-huh. Uh, they commuted his sentence due to his age, um, and he was put in jail. And it's kind of thing, anything that I've said earlier that may be like inaccurately you know, said or anachronistic doesn't matter because they stripped him of all honors and military ranks that he ever owned. So fuck it. Doesn't, even, <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, so he should have stayed in France and uh, should have stayed like in, yeah. in Pyrenees or something um, after his death this is interesting being a Brit um, uh, they okay so he after his death certain people tried to get him out of jail during during his jail time uh, Queen Mary who was the wife of the British King George V um, she was the daughter of um, Prince Francis Duke of Tech also known as Count Francis von Hohenstein of Germany um <laughs> George V, her husband, tried to get him out. Um, he was the king of England at the time. He's the first cousin of Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, there's a good picture on Wikipedia of them dressed uh, in German military uniform. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Which yeah, hasn't happened that. with a member of the British royal family until Prince Harry a few years ago <laughs> I in Las Vegas. And it's interesting, George V was the king that became... He became the, the first monarch of the House of Windsor um, mm-hmm. because the royal house of... Britain was known as Saxe, Coburg, and Gotha, and he had to change it because of anti-German sentiment. Right. So he wants him back out of jail <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I've got no we, idea we why. We briefly talked about him in the last episode, I believe. <laughs> uh, he was that move greatly displeased Wilhelm at mm, the time. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, who made the worst, the, the worst, worst clapback just the ever. Worst. Uh, but anyway. We're near, we're near the end. I'm on page six of six, all right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Harry S. Truman tried to get him out, offered him political asylum in the U.S. I don't know much about Harry hmm. S. Truman, but um, I don't know, as, a, as an American, might be able to... His um, middle name was just S. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it began with a J. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, technically it began with the J. <laughs> Took me a second to get there, but yeah, I understood. Yeah. And General Franco of Spain tried to get him out, but he yeah, couldn't get make, him out. That one makes more sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that one I get. Yeah. Well, he warned him not to go back into the French military at the beginning of the war. So, you know. Yeah, okay. So, still, the fascist thing is <laughs> kind of more. Told you so. Told you so, <laughs> You come crawling. Yeah, they're wingmen. They have to get each other's back. <laughs> so, now, he, basically, he's in prison his health deteriorates uh memory lapses incontinence soiling himself in front of visitors we've all done it though we've all done it <laughs> yeah. sometimes <laughs> you forget where you are no longer recognizes his wife which is sad when uh, oh miss hardon doesn't quite do it for me anymore <laughs> um and he would have fabled um hallucinations where he was commanding a battle of naked women commanding a battle or Naked women were dancing around his room. Again, okay. we've all no, been and there. And never the twain shall meet. <laughs> uh, and he was basically too too ill to walk, had heart problems, too ill to be moved to hospital. And he died on the 23rd of July, 1951, aged 95. He had a good innings, didn't he? Had a really good innings. Um, buried in the Marine Cemetery. Skip for, like, so he's dead now, right? Mm. He's dead. He's been tried for treason. 1973. He makes his big comeback. Jared could do this. Jared could do this. He could atone. He could come back. Hopefully as after his death, yes. <laughs> yeah, after his death. So basically some extremists cut, dug up his coffin um, and demanded to President Pompidou uh, to have him buried in uh, Donamon Cemetery with the war dead. Pompidou and his guys, they got the coffin back, stuck a wreath on top and put it back in the same fucking hole where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Go to the fucking dollar store, pick up a wreath, maybe a corporate USA while you're at it. Yeah, go down to the Frank store and get a get a wreath. Yeah. So he he still has like in, in the he has some, a couple of places named after him in, on the in the Canadian Rockies. But I spoke to my friend Benoit when we were doing this. He's a French guy I know, and um, I asked him like, what's the general sentiment in France like towards Pétain? Uh, now, because I don't want to like run, you know, there's a lot of shit in right. here, but if he was, you know, if, if I'm reading between the lines in, inaccurately, he basically said in 2013 or so, they renamed the last street that was ever named after him something else. Mm-hmm. So, to, and the only people that really talk about him now are the French National Front. Oh, so, oh, yeah, okay. For some so, reason. And that, that concludes Henri Philippe Benoni Omer Joseph Pétain. Boom. What an arsehole. (laughs) Hey there, this is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Again, that uh, that actual history was exhaustive. Uh, I think I really just... That's one word for it. <laughs> We've been doing a pretty good job of providing, I think, uh, somewhat in-depth actual histories in the last couple episodes. Uh, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like yours. For once, for once, you might actually learn something if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, I certainly did.
Um, Four stars on on the Apple Podcast app. <laughs> Five if it had less foreigners in it. <laughs> um, Do the advert. Come on, Brian. Oh, no. The, uh, it's pre-recorded. All <laughs> oh, right, shit. I thought you were going to read something out of that book. Oh, no. Squarespace can save you money. <laughs> yeah, anyways. of course. Uh, yeah, Blue we, Apron. We, we have a spokesperson. We got Jared Fogel for a song. <laughs> he was so cheap. I don't know what happened. Yeah. It's amazing that they got an ISDN. I have, yeah, I haven't checked Yahoo News front page in many years. Um, so, like all Frenchmen, um, Philippe Petain was part skunk. Uh, that will come into play later. Which, by the way, I could say a lot of this because I'm part French. Um, <laughs> oh, that makes it all right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> uh, he graduated military school with top honors uh, after he did a school shooting. And that's how you did that. Okay. Um, but, I, just, I mean, I have just a huge list of his innovations during World War One Because, like you said, when he brought – like, he refreshed the troops a lot. Yeah, he was a tactician. Yeah. Genius, man. Like, he, he thought if you frequently rotated troops out of the miles-long rat and shit-filled pit that had all their dead friends in it, they might be more effective in combat. Hmm. Um, he also believed that if you shot at the enemy a bunch, it would greatly reduce their effectiveness. It's, yeah. Um, you got to use bullets, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, another one of his... Shot. Uh, innovations was that he realized uh, bullets are more effective than cloves of garlic, which is what the French army had been using. Unless you're facing well, an army of vampires. Vampire, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, vampire. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, what's the French word for vampires? <laughs> vampire, I, my I think, might be German but okay. uh, or Old English, but we all know that France borders Transylvania, so there is a reason. It's, it's true. Yes, we all know that to be true. That's um, why they have all those running rivers between them and Transylvania. Some vampire deep cut. <laughs> yeah, that's why there are so many rice fields where you just yes, oh, exactly. Love, yeah. Blow the silos. Rice. The vampires are coming. <laughs> um, other innovations. Um, to, uh, to get French soldiers to pursue the enemy, all you have to do is dump white paint on their back and they go nuts for it, which goes back to the skunk thing. Oh, is it like forcing yourself underneath <laughs> yeah. a, a recently painted white pole like yeah. with a black shirt on? Yeah. It's a gold tactic, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, knew- like, it's like sexually assaulting a cat. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back it's to the metaphor again. that yeah. this. Thanks, cartoons. It's just the analogy that keeps on giving. Um, yeah. He knew just when to tap his swamp mana. I, I wrote a lot of these today. Um, he figured out bayonets were much more effective if you pointed them toward the enemy and not towards your own spleen. Um, What's the French word for bayonets? Uh, <laughs> uh, Le Royale with cheese. Okay, I think. that's nice. <laughs> metric system. Uh, Come on, Liberia, man. <laughs> Team up. Uh, he figured out tanks were more effective than horses. Uh, this was years after he figured out horses were more effective than teacup pigs, which is what uh, the French army had been using prior to this. Not on me. Uh, <laughs> have you have you got a story to share about your? I mean, if pig I were walking experience. down the street and I saw a horse, I wouldn't give a fuck. But if I saw a teacup pig, that's yeah, a no, good that's, point. Yeah, I'm telling my girlfriend about that the, later that day. <laughs> later that <laughs> day. <laughs> so that's not something you'll like take a picture I, of. I couldn't. And send her immediately. They'll be like, okay, eight or nine o'clock rolls around. 
<laughs> and I remember school. it. I drew yeah, it's a surprise <laughs> before bed. Guess what happened to me today? <laughs> um, to improve communication, uh, he removed the standard uh, the standard ball gag from the French army uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, of course, came up with this famous French battle cry uh, where all the troops light a cigarette in unison and shout, uh, this will be deeply meaningless before charging into battle. <laughs> in, uh, in black and white. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, if they entrench underground rather than in a uh, third floor flat in the 11th arrondissement, they're much harder to hit. It's um, got a point. Amazing tactician. You know, and now I'm just kicking myself. When you were talking about constantly refreshing the troops, constantly rotating the troops, I'm just mad I didn't make a French New Wave joke at that point. <laughs> or, or, or French Revolution. Yeah, French Revolution, that works too. Damn it. Um, uh, he also figured out that shooting someone while being incredibly condescending hurts them more. Um, well, yeah, emotionally as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, his secret shame his whole life, though, was that he never got the better of Jean Valjean. Um, and uh, so dumb. For all of his. <laughs> I don't even know Jean Valjean. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Okay, sorry. I, I, Read I a book. I thought the British were supposed to be smart. <laughs> it's the Miserables, You're right? It's the Miserables. <laughs> Someone stole bread and was rightly I'm punished. I, I, I'm not into that. I'm, I thought John Michel Jarre straight away. <laughs> uh, um, uh, oh God, I'm not even going to do this. No, joke. do it. Do I have it. to. Um, for for uh, for all of his innovations, uh, they offered him the position of uh, general obvious in the French army, uh, but he didn't take it after. Because uh, he thought it was bad luck because Lieutenant Commander Obvious had been shot after a mutiny, which, frankly, is an outcome he should have seen coming. Anyway, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Boom. You all asked for it. You're here. You're listening to this. <laughs> why I why am I punishing to... you? I, I mean, think they I were listening enough. to it 30 seconds ago. Now they're doing <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah, if they got this far. Now they're just there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, you got to put toilet breaks in my bit when you edit it. <laughs> oh, I'm just cutting that piece out. That's going to be another fucking Squarespace ad. Um, <laughs> we wish we could get Squarespace. <laughs> um I mean, I could just start doing Squarespace ads and billing them. I don't know if they'll notice. Um, between World Wars, he championed more innovations. Um, he uh, he added a ceiling uh, and, more importantly, a floor to warplanes. Um, he, he developed the Maginot Line, which was an improvement on the previous defense, which was a slick, uh, slick line of butter running along the German and Belgian border. And... Um, <laughs> He decided that it was no longer required to have syphilis in order to join the French army. That's, yeah, that's handy. yeah, that just expanded their recruiting pool. Oh, you got all that money then to not spend on antibiotics. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, of course, he worried that his collaboration with Nazis would tarnish his innovations, uh, which is not the <laughs> thing to worry about when you're dealing with Nazis. Yeah. And, it, and Volkswagen are doing all right, aren't they? So. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> IBM? Come on. <laughs> IBM. Um, the Catholic Church. Um, um, anyway, and that's, that's some more information in the, uh, in the story of Philippe Patin. 
uh, Lion of Verdun. <laughs> certainly, certainly more humor in that bit than the factual. Yeah. <laughs> well, from... let's let's not throw the H word around. Um, <laughs> Apart from marrying a woman called Mrs. Hardon, that was which I mean, yeah. oh god damn it, I can't Excuse believe I missed that. Uh, before we before we move on to judgment, listeners, uh, just want to mention that the Revisionist is a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network, and you can find all the shows on net, that network at denverpodcast.net. Uh, and we also ask that, uh, if you are so inclined, uh, that you write a review of this podcast on iTunes, uh, which is super helpful to us. Uh, and of course, you can contact us via our website, uh, revisionistpodcast.com, or on any social media. Uh, so, Greg, real quick, you are going to be at E-Town Comedy in Boulder yeah, coming February up. Yeah, February the 2nd, taking my musical set uh, that I've got now to the streets, my stand-up um, Got that. I've got some more stuff coming up this year with the 18.com, just a soccer website I do some presenting for, with, and uh, got some other stuff uh, working in the background, which I can't tell you about. Oh, okay. You got very aggressive in the <laughs> eyes when he said that. No, I'm just passing the message on. <laughs> um, as for me, listeners, uh, you can check out my social media feed for upcoming dates that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, so that's... Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace. <laughs> Jesus, I am a, I am falling the fuck apart. You're fucking in ice the in back this self promotion thing. <laughs> Jesus, to pull it up, no, we'll wait. Pull it up now. Uh... No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but uh, Zach, I believe judgment falls to you this episode. So here's the thing. I have a rule of thumb when it comes to episodes about people who collaborated with Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and that rule of thumb is. I like the alternate history to make them look worse than they are. Brian's uh, alternate history made the French look stupid, but this guy looked like the only smart Frenchman that ever lived. <laughs> oh, that's not the... So dis- that is, uh, to anyone listening, again, I don't, I don't even care about winning. Not the angle I was going for. It's the taking part that counts. Yeah. <laughs> so to save our sizable French listenership... <laughs> well, my friend Benoit, bonjour Benoit, comment ça va mec? He'll be listening to this. <laughs> I do two things. Uh, ça va, ça va, <laughs> ça va bien. Anyway. I give, um, I give my vote to the real history, but I offer the listeners the chance to strike that down with their own voting, um, which will also be a referendum on the intelligence of French people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had enough of referendums and uh, referenda yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, listeners, uh, voting is now open as you're hearing this. Uh, so you can buy your ro- right to vote on Patreon. Uh, but, Greg, thank you for being here. It's, it was a pleasure. It was a, a long. I'm sorry. No, it took so long. I hope you edit uh, that down to about we're, three, 30 seconds of zingers. You know what? We've done longer. Um, okay. So... That's totally fine. Uh, Zach, thank you as always. Of course. For everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. Have a good time.